<laughs> but I want to speak today a little differently than I normally speak. I love a good, just straight-up exegetical message where you go through a passage uh, and find all the, the, the juiciness in that word. But I'm going to do a little different today, so don't be caught off guard. I want to speak to you a lot from my heart uh, because there's just been some things on my heart. Is that okay? Awesome. And I love that you are responding. Feel free to throw in as many amens as possible. I want to talk to you guys today about the topic of resurrecting revival. I know we talk about revival a lot here in the church, and that's why I feel like this topic is important. And there's a lot of names for it. There's, you know, revival, there's awakening, renewal, fresh fire, fresh wind, outpouring, the river, the blessing, and so on and so on. And there's books written about it, there's historical accounts about it, but all of these are describing where people respond to God's presence as he pours his spirit out on them. I just want you to think about that. People responding to God's presence as he pours his spirit out on them. One of my favorite authors, Andrew Murray, puts it this way, making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is called cold or dead state. Robert Coleman puts it this way, the awakening or quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. And I, I love that one, to your true nature and purpose. Going back to that thought of God has something in store for you that he wants you to step into if you're willing to. So church, are you willing to this morning? A couple of you guys, awesome. Remember, God is listening too, so if you just said yes, you got you to gotta make good on that one. And someone else said it's a coming back to your first love. And I bring up this topic today because I feel like it's so easy to grow tired about hearing it. Let that just sink in. All of my life, I've heard that word revival or one of the other words responding to it corresponding to it. And we can, we can just begin to move out through our lives or even coming to church, and it just gets kind of same old, same old. It can become nominal, and we can, we can feel like it's never going to happen, or we don't even really need it. And many of us today have experienced incredible moves of God. I won't ask for a, raise, a show of hands, but a lot of us have experienced it or, or heard about it. And so I want to question you today as I ask myself, because this is something that I've been just pondering, that if you had the opportunity right now, in this moment, would you want it? Would you want a move of God? I've been reading about moves of God lately and, you know, recently I was, I was gone, I was out of town, and uh, it was, it was a, a great little vacation for Jasper and I, but I had the opportunity to go to a church where I just walked into that place, and you could feel the freedom of God, and it just caused me to start weeping and crying as we were worshiping together. The, the presence of God was so real in that place. 
And it's something that I long for. It's, I've experienced it many times in the past, but I want it in my present. And I want it in my future. Do you want it as well? I want to start off this morning by an examination of self. And I'm calling myself to that because I've been trying to examine myself. And I want to compare this examination to the way we compare ourselves when we take communion. We do that every month here, the first of the month. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 27-31, it, it talks about communion. It's, it's the main scripture on communion that we, we have all the time. And uh, it says in verse 28, let a man examine himself. And there's, there's many thoughts on that, but what the really, the meaning of that is, examine one's faith as to what is its real object or objective. What is your faith's real object or objective? And it's not an examining of our daily walk, even though that's important and we have to do that. It's an examining of how we apply the full work of Christ to our lives, the full work of Christ to our lives. And in verse 30, listen to this. It says, for this reason, many are weak and sick and asleep. When we don't apply the full work of Christ to our lives, we don't allow him to work in those ways. And, but when our faith applies him as our strength, this is how it works. So we, we apply him as our strength, then we are strengthened. And we apply his work as the healer, and we are healed. But I want to launch off from that point this morning because we often stop right there. And I ask, what then is the full work of Christ that we are to apply? And to be honest, that is a huge topic that we can't completely cover in a short message. But it's important to note the work of Christ does not only save us. And go with me on this. Watch this. Does not only save us, but the work of Christ allows the Holy Spirit to empower us on a daily basis. And Jesus says in John 14, verse 16, that he will ask of the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Because Jesus knew that it was better for him to leave, that the Holy Spirit would come. And I want to hearken back to that first thought I mentioned just a while ago. God has a plan for you as his child. I dare to say that it's more than you and I are living out right now. I'm just going to pause there. It's more than you and I are living out right now. And I want to explain that a little bit more. But the criteria for the Holy Spirit on your life is that if you are saved through and in Jesus, then you have access to the Holy Spirit. So that's probably going to be most people here today. But the full work of Christ is, is accepting salvation, and we believe here at this church that it's sanctification, which is God working on you 
and in you to be more like him until you're dead, so that never stops. But then it's accepting the rest of the plan that Jesus started, which is accepting the Holy Spirit on your life. And that Holy Spirit is to be evident in your life. Evident. What do I mean by evident? Well, let's see what I think Jesus meant by evident, because I don't want to say anything on my own. John 14, verse 12 says, truly, truly. And whenever he says truly, truly, he's like, watch this. Get this. This is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So if I believe the words of Jesus, according to this verse, I should be walking out greater things than Jesus had done to this point. And I don't want to offend anybody. This is just what, how my mind operates. This is when I read the word, I have to apply the word to my life. And to this point, Jesus had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He did all these incredible things. And so at that moment, I'm forced to examine my life. How am I walking out? These things, what Jesus had planned for me. And I note, moving on from our original verse about communion, the Apostle Paul immediately, after, after sharing the things that uh, Christ has done in, in communion, he immediately goes into speaking about spiritual gifts and being used by God in them. Because church, I, I want us to get this. They should never be separated. If you are saved, then you should walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just that way. It's just in the Bible. I want to ask us as a church this question, as I ask myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself this. What might hold us back from the full work of Christ and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And like I said, I had the opportunity to visit a couple churches recently. And it's a great time of uh, seeing what God's doing in other places, but it's a great moment to examine my own heart because no one needs anything from me. I don't have to do anything. I can just let God speak to me. And when I do that, I examine my own heart and I realize there's probably three possibilities that might hold us back from, from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And the first, as you might guess, is just not knowing. So now you know. Now you know. But the second is just the wrong priorities. And it's, and I want to tell you, I don't mean this badly, it's not different priorities. It's wrong priorities. It's so easy to get our eyes off of God, even just a little bit. You know, and they, uh, Kim Welch would tell you, wherever she is, in center shot, if your eyes are off the mark a little bit, you're just going to miss the mark. And God began to speak to me about this. 
Because the, the last probably, I don't know, eight months or so, have just been, we've been doing a lot of different things here at the church, and I've been pushing for a lot of stuff. I've had a lot on my plate, and it's been stressful. And God just began to tell me that even good things are not always God things. And even things that have to be done or that are, you know, good, if, if you get off that first love or that first priority, then you... You just got off. It has to be your first love, your first priority. It has to be a coming together with the body of Christ and doing life together. And in church, that doesn't happen on just a Sunday morning. We have to choose to actually do life together. So that when I'm struggling with something, you can, you can look at me and you know me well enough to just see my face and say, bro, you look, you look awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I pray with you? You want to come over? Let, let's just do dinner. Let's hang out together. That's what I see in the first church, in the apostles. People doing life together. Because watch this. Truly loving the people of God is the fruit of loving God. I'm going to say that again because it hit me hard. Truly loving the people of God is the fruit of loving God. And wrong priorities from experience, I'll tell you this, they can result in just tiredness and going to burnout, and when I'm too tired to spend time with God, or I run out of time to spend with God, it's because I haven't put Him first. The third thing that can hold us back from the Holy Spirit working in our lives is fear. And I'll tell you this, I have struggled with this as a, from a young man. Like I have, does anybody else have a kind of a perfectionism thing going on? I might be the only one. <laughs> but I'd, I've always just wanted things to be right. I have a kind of an over sense of just, this has to be done, this is very black and white. But I've struggled with this, it's, it's when... I think of people's opinions too much, or I worry about looking foolish. And this is often why we don't tell people about Jesus, or we don't pray for the sick, or we don't worship in all the biblical forms because we're just worried about what other people think. We're afraid about what people think instead of being concerned about what God thinks and desires. And I can remember, you know, God gives us so many opportunities to serve Him. So many opportunities. I, I remember one time, this was a very long time ago, but I was going through the store and God was like, go to that cashier. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the cashier. And He really opened it up, like, to where I could not deny it was God. It was one of those moments where... <clears throat> Like, every line had four or five, six people in it. 
except for this one cashier that had no one in his line. You know, and so you, it's one of those moments where you can't deny, like, it's God, I have to do this. <laughs> and I went up to him, and he just began to pour out his heart. Like, he was struggling and everything. And I don't know why, but fear gripped me at that moment, and I didn't tell him about Jesus. And I know God always has backup plans, and I'm thankful for that. So I'm sure God sent someone else who was a better listener than I am to speak to them. But I want to note that I missed out on being used by God. And that's important because I firmly believe that if I'm not used, he'll just use someone else. His plan's going to be done. Like, it's going to be accomplished. Do you want to be a part of it? Do I want to be a part of it? And that's, again, like, you're being a part of it right now, coming to church on Sunday. That's awesome. But it's not enough. It's not enough for me. Is it enough for you? I love uh, Pastor James's, he's downstairs, his quick definition of what revival is. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. And more precisely, it's, it's a right relationship with him and the Holy Spirit, walking with him like he's continually on your mind and your heart. And I know that's probably what you think about it too. But do we live that way? Do we let it affect every single thing that we do? The dictionary definition of revival is renewed attention to or interest in something. And when I read that definition, I want to say, well, that shouldn't apply to the church because we all live so passionately and we're just in love with Jesus. But church, we need revival. Maybe you are just on fire for God, but I know without a doubt that you know somebody that needs some fire. <laughs> like, I, we, I mentioned earlier that many of us have been in part of incredible moves of God. Some of us here have stories about way back when in the Jesus movement, or, or going to different countries and revivals just sprouting up, or even in this church. Like, there's been some amazing things in this church. But, that's not enough. It's not enough for me. Is it enough for you? I don't want to look back on the past and say, God's done some awesome things. What is he doing right now? I'll tell you, he's, he's wanting to move. And it's up to you and I to just respond to that. We need revival. Until Jesus comes back or everyone on this planet has had the opportunity to know him, my work is not done. And I can't do it without him. Even as I was preparing this message, I had several prayers going on. Probably the first one was, God, if, if you break out in worship, then I don't have to preach. <laughs> But there were other ones too, as in 
I, was, I think I was telling Melanie this earlier, uh, God, if this message is just garbage, then give me something in the moment that is just way better. <laughs> and I was, I was preparing in my office, I just, I just kept saying, God, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer these people. It has to be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because even if this was the worst message you would ever hear, if it is anointed by the power of God, it will work and it will move and it will do things. And that's what I want, church. I want God to move. I want you to want that more than anything in your life. And I know as God is our Father, He's looking down and He's wanting that for us. He just wants us to respond, come after it. Come after me. I can't do it without him. And I want to walk in a way that I read in the word of God. I don't know how you read the word, but how I read it, this is a, a picture into my mind. I read something and I think, I want to do that. Not, not that it would just be a really cool moment, but I want to be used by God in that way. I want to see the sick healed when I pray for them. I want to see somebody rise up and walk that's been lame. I want to see somebody that, that needs a touch from God receive it because I was willing to go and share Jesus with them. And church, we can do that. All of us can do that. There is nothing holding you back but you, but me. I'm the one that holds me back. So how do we prepare for a move of God? How do we prepare for a revival? The first answer is, of course, we got to apply the full work of Christ to us and allow the Holy Spirit in us. But I want to realize on top of that that there is nothing we can do to see a revival take place. What I mean by that is that I cannot work hard enough, be holy enough, good enough, anything enough. But I want you to catch this. A move of God or a revival is an act of grace. It's the grace of God on our behalf. What moves God's heart is you moving closer to it. That's what moves God's heart. But I want to prepare for it as well. In church, we can't live in sin. We can't expect God to move when we refuse to change at all. The first step of revival is simply repentance. And I, most of us are probably like, yeah, <laughs> that's obvious. I repent for, you know, murdering that person or, or whatever it is. But I think it goes deeper than that. I was talking with, with Patrick. He was playing guitar. Him and Pastor Will yesterday just about repentance. 
Repentance also has to be for just not putting God first. And I feel like God could just speak to me on that for a long time. Even as taking a couple scriptures, walk with me through this thought where it says to know to do good and not do it, it is sin. And it also says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So for me, when I don't do that, it's sin. Do I love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength? And I know there's, there's grace because no, none of us are perfect. We're never going to be. I screw up a lot. <laughs> Ask Jasper. But to love God, what does that look like? With all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? Am I living that out? You know, everything that we could possibly need as a church, from our finances to our need for volunteers. And church, we need volunteers. I'm just going to do a shameless plug. (laughs) We need volunteers in almost every area of our church. We have a, a lot of people that come here, and I know people get busy in things, but this building was neglected for decades, and we still haven't got it up to to par. It needs you. We greatly need help with our youth. We don't have enough volunteers. I think Pastor Will has got somehow a third or fourth circle under his eye. (laughs) We need volunteers with our kids or with our women's ministry and with our men's ministry. We need volunteers for greeting. And this isn't just going through the ones I, I know about to say The church needs you. If you don't feel wanted, the leadership really wants you. (laughs) We want you. We need you. Because church, God works through people. He works through people, and he wants to work through you. You have gifts that you already know about, and I bet you have gifts that you don't realize you have. But every need we could possibly have is instantly met when we have the heart of God. Because an outpouring of the heart of God meets the needs of other believers and witnesses. An outpouring of the heart of God sees people healed, delivered, and set free. An outpouring of the heart of God is to be free in everything you do. In your worship, your giving, your love, free in your heart, like free. A freedom that, like I said before, just moves you to tears because it's different than any freedom you can experience on this earth. A freedom that only God can bring. And we prepare for a move of God by 
every person wanting the move of God. I want to ask you, do you want to move of God? How do we see it then? How do I get close to God? You know, sometimes I don't feel good enough. And I know that's a lie from the enemy. And I also know that Dr. Don would tell me, yeah, you're not good enough. That's why we have Jesus. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Where sometimes we get too tired, where I've experienced this one a little bit, I'm Sometimes you get tired of asking for it and not seeing it. Or sometimes you might feel like it just won't happen or that it's not meant for you. And all those are just, those are lies from the enemy. You can experience a personal revival every day. But I want to experience a a citywide revival. The answer is that God is reaching out and wanting to pour out His Spirit on us, and we just have to respond or and expect it. I'm going to let you know, let you in on a little secret. When I lead worship, you guys don't know this, the worship team knows this. We do, what, four, maybe five songs. I usually have ten songs ready. (laughs) That's, that's not a joke. I usually have like 10 songs because I want to plan for God to move. And so for, what, seven years that I've been here, 10 songs. And I'll keep doing that. Part of it is just I, when I'm putting my list together in my office, I just like to worship and I'll just keep going. But that's my prayer for us. And I read the word in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it just seemed like people didn't care. The only thing they wanted was more of God. And I know that it's, it's hard to be in that place. But did you know the Cane Ridge Revival? I think it happened in Kentucky happened in a prolonged communion service. If God can move in a communion service, then I think He can move anywhere. There are no boundaries or stipulations. It's simply wanting the presence of God more than anything and not being satisfied until you get that. You crave it. Do you thirst for it? When, when the pastor is talking about a freedom that, that brings him to tears, does that create something in you, a desire to want that? When you hear stories about God moving and raising the dead, do you begin to, to want that? When you hear stories about people, uh, I was reading one where just 500 people at once were hit by the power of God and they all fell down. It was probably miraculous that no one got hurt. <laughs> like, God can do amazing things. And he's planning for it. Do you want it? Resurrecting revival. 
is a coming back to the heart of God as we examine our own hearts and ask ourselves, are we on the path for revival? Are we on the path to pursue God? In Revelation 2.4, it says, come back to your first love. In John 15, it says, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As I mentioned, I'm a pretty black and white person. And when I read that, I want to read it just like it says it is. I don't want to have to create some theology to why God doesn't heal today because I am fearful that he won't heal when I pray for somebody. My theology should just come straight from the Bible. And if, if God says that he will do something, then by golly, he's going to do it. <laughs> And as I examine myself, I ask myself a few questions. What is my greatest priority? What matters most to me? And I'm going to just let that sink in for a moment. I want you to think about that. What is your greatest priority? What matters most to you? And I'll tell you a secret. People say that, just look at where your time and your finances are going most. That's your greatest priority. Your time and your finances, that's what you care most about. Question two, where are my eyes pointing? What am I wanting? If they're a little off center, I'll miss the mark. It's like driving. If my eyes are a little off the road, I'm going to go towards that area. I'm, reminding, I'm reminded of someone close to me. I will not mention a name. But there was a snow machiner on the side of the road. It was fun to watch. The next thing, I got a phone call saying I hit a snowbank. My eyes were off the road. The third question is this. And this is the hardest one for me, for you, for anyone. This is the hardest question. Am I willing to sacrifice to see a move of God? Or what am I willing to sacrifice to see a move of God? That's always what a move of God starts with. It starts with people that just want Jesus more than food, more than fun, more than anything else in this world. And they begin to sacrifice time to pray, to spend with God, to grow, to read His Word by studying it, time to gather with His people and serve each other. It needs us, the church needs us, to serve, to love, to mentor. And it needs us to want a move of God. And that's what I want for my children. Do you want that for your own life? 
And church, here's a question. This just, just popped in my mind. Do you want that for the person next to you? And all that unfolds. Do you want it for the church? I can experience a personal revival a lot. To be honest, I'd much rather worship in my office by myself than out here. It's a lot easier to lead people. <laughs> you know, I love listening to you worship. I'm so glad I got to, to be off the stage today. It's always been one of my favorite things to hear you sing and, and worship. And uh, in the front, I can't see people. But in my mind, and my heart, you're just going after God. I feel like that's a small part of what heaven's going to be like. And so sometimes I, I just listen. I love to hear people wanting God. One of my favorite ways to do that is sing. And there's something about just wanting God's heart. I remember a moment where I was in a worship service, and the guy behind me was one of the worst singers I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> just bad. <laughs> but you could feel his desire for God. And even though it was horrible sounding, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. And that's why I still remember it. He was just going after God. And in that moment, no one cares what you look like. Because they're going after God too. And if that guy that sounded bad, he, I mean, he had to know it. <laughs> And so can we. As the worship team comes up, we opened with a passion, a passage about communion. Because it's communion with God that brings about the presence of God. He set up communion so that we could focus on what Jesus had done. And I love how even the whole Bible, it all blends together and works together. You know, and in the, the original temple, you had basically the communion table set up with perforated bread and wine. And right after that table was the altar of incense, which our prayers go up and things. But on the other side of the room, was the golden lampstand, which is the Holy Spirit, symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It all just fits together. It works together. We're meant to commune with God as we commune with each other. And the Holy Spirit wants to just infuse you with a love for God like you've never experienced. So I'm going to open up the altars to that thought and that question.
Do you long for God's presence? And are you willing to sacrifice what it takes to see a move of God? Are you wanting it not just to be on a Sunday, but do you want change? Do you want to break down in the presence of God to where nothing else matters and you just love spending time in the presence? If that's your heart, and I don't want to move on emotions or anything like that, even though God made emotions too, but if this message has been speaking to you, then I want you to come down to the front and just begin to seek after God. Begin to pray for the people around you, the city that you're in, this church. We need you. God wants to use you. And if you want to respond to that, then just come right now. Come right now if you want to press in and just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you're not going to be worried about what people think. But I want to see a move of God. I want to see God move in my life. I want to be brought to tears by the freedom that is around me and in this place. I want God's glory to rest on here. And it just starts with us. If you need the joy of the Lord, then come and get it. If you just need God to meet you where you're at, maybe just take a step of faith to see it happen this morning. As the worship team begins to just lead us in, in song, begin to worship Him like, like you're expecting Him to move. Because He's going to. He makes good on every promise.